0: Hello, everyone. It's John and Kate talking to the Climate and Coastal Ecosystem Lab as part of the Fish 500 podcast series, Introducing the Labs at the IOF. Today, we are back with Simon Donner talking about the collaborative work his research group takes part in. So thank you for joining us again, Simon. We're really excited (laughs) to talk to you some more about work that you're doing. So to start off here, we were just wondering if you could give a synopsis a little bit of where in the world your studies are based.
1: Oh yeah, no. Thanks, Kate, for asking. the The work in our research group is kind of both global in scale, but also with very targeted field work. And a lot of that field work has been in the Central Equatorial Pacific, particularly the Republic the Republic of Kiribati, and also a little bit in the neighboring country of the Marshall Islands. Although we're still trying to figure out the future of that work. That. Uh, is not random. You know, I'm a climate scientist. And in studying the effects of climate change on the world's core reefs, and also thinking about sea level rise, we came to sort of identify where are places that might be exceptions to the conclusion that the world's core reefs are in dire threat from climate change. And so years ago, I traveled there on my own to go meet some people and just get a feel, uh, get a sense of the place, uh, get a sense of whether collaboration was possible. And I made some good friends and colleagues there. And I've continued that work over the years. The the Kiribati's work was sort of answering the question, if climate change is going to be this dire threat to the world's coral reefs, what might reefs look like in the future? Like what's likely to survive? What would be the composition of those reefs and what sort of services would they provide? Now to do the work, it's not simple field work. It's a very distant place and a very different culture. And so it takes a lot of preparation and it takes a lot of commitment, you know, to do this type of thing right. You can't just go and come back and do it for yourself. You have to go and deliver things that are, that are value to the local people, to the local government. I've made a point in the Kiribati's work in particular of trying to answer questions that people there are asking. And so our work is going to kind of expanded from the original coral reef questions to answering all sorts of things about sea level rise that involves uh, some physical measurement, but also a lot of interviewing uh, people. So uh, sort of social sciences and policy work. And it also has led to kind of broader work around the Pacific about how can climate information help people make decisions.
0: So along those lines, what do you consider to be The greatest limitation to science today how does your research or the research that is being conducted within your um, research group um, avoid these limitations
1: so i actually think the biggest obstacle is mindsets is that we get very stuck in certain ways of thinking So academia, you know, you think of the departments at UBC, they're going to define along these traditional lines that don't really make any sense, whereas all of the research I've done has fallen between the gaps between sort of climate science and something else. And in some cases, I think that, like, I think back to the work uh, that probably I'm best known for in the scientific community on corals, honestly, you have to argue, I don't think the first few papers are that complicated. But it's just that nobody had done it because it fell between the gaps between what is called coral reef ecology and what is called climate science. But if I came as an outsider and I'm like, wait a minute, why are these seen as separate things? And so I do feel like we get trapped as people do in all walks of life in certain ways of thinking and certain mindsets and have trouble coming at it a different way. And so if there's one thing that we're often missing, it's perspective. One thing that I personally that's had a big personal effect on me from working in the Pacific islands. It has been the perspective and what I appreciate so much about the folks in Kiribati welcoming me with open arms every time I come back for a field project is that, you know, listen, I'm trying to do things that are helpful for them, but I'm getting something out of it as well, which is I'm able to step into another part of the world. People are welcoming me to do so. And I'm just for, you know, that time of the year being reminded there's another way to look at things. And so I would by no means ever try to pretend that I can represent the people of Kiribati. But I do feel like the perspective has been helpful in teaching and in research and in thinking about, wait a minute, we've already published a bunch of papers on this. We're kind of at the point of diminishing marginal returns. Let's leave it aside and move to a new subject. That's hard to do for academics because you've put all this time and resources in and it's really easy to do the next study. But the smarter thing, for the world is to move on to something else sometimes
0: well again thank you very much for speaking with us today it's been hugely influential and i i think we've all learned a lot from the idea of improving our perspective internationally and understanding a perspective that might not be our own so thank you again
1: (laughs) thanks so much john and kate uh, for uh, having me on the podcast
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed catching up with the climate and coastal ecosystems lab. Be sure to join us next time as we talk with Pedro Gonzalez to get a student's perspective about what it's like to be part of Simon's research group. Music for this podcast is brought to you by Zaps Live.